Let us pray. Lord, all your treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. You reveal to us all these truths through the words spoken in his name. May we understand and obey. Amen. The first reading is from Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. And from the Gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter, now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and said to them, whoever seems, uh, whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will be in to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. The sometimes puzzling word of God. And so, we take that to heart. To go back to just a, a word of the lesson from Jeremiah. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled, and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. And we pray, Lord, give us a clear vision of the truth faith in your power, and confident assurance of your love. Amen. I usually preach from notes. I greatly admire those who can get up without a note and seem to be able to go on and on with a sermon. One thing I could say, of course, about notes it has a beginning and it has an ending. So you know uh, 
that it's not going to last forever. <laughs> and <clears throat> don't be intimidated by the number of sheets because I, I print large. <laughs> now if I were to give you a pencil and paper and say, draw for me a picture of God, what would you do? I know I would be hard pressed, but when I was six years old, I would have likely come up with a picture. Uh, the picture would have been a picture of a man because we always assumed that God was a man. Uh, no doubt with a beard, maybe, a long white robe, likely, very wise-looking, stern, compassionate, of course. That would have been my picture that I would have drawn at about the age of six. But in the intervening years, we've realized that God is not really a man or a woman. God transcends gender, stern, of course, and compassionate, yes, loving, uh, certainly sad at the state of the world, and a dozen other descriptions, but still it would be something less than the real God. So now, since I've done some thinking since I was six, I would move to more about God, and that is where God has been, or where we have wondered where God was. I think of floods and fires. That would give me trouble because quite often they are caused by our abuse of what nature have given us. Now, earthquakes, that would be a difficult one, a hard one, because who can you blame for an earthquake? But then I would come to the Holocaust, and that's where my carefully scripted reasoning breaks down. I say Holocaust because that happened in my lifetime. Six million people put to death. People who believed in God. Where was God then? And since then, what a depressing list of things that have happened and are happening in our world. Little wonder then that Mark Twain said one time uh, about the question uh, when he was asked if he believed in God, and he replied, well, none that I've met so far. God is certainly hard to, to pin down, uh, except to say that we do live in a, an accident-prone world, an accident-prone universe, in which we are given the free will to do as we please, use it as we please, and suffer the consequences. Well might 
the potter have realized that the vessel needed reworking. So I'm left with what I would call glimpses of God. At least we have glimpses of God, even though it's hard to draw a picture. It's hard to know God in his entirety. There, I've said it, you see, in his entirety. No, nor her. God is beyond all of that. But we have glimpses of God. If God is inscrutable, at least we have fleeting glimpses, just enough to lead us to believe there is something to cling to. In my own experience, there have been some glimpses of God. In 1974, when I was sailing out of Halifax with the Navy, we were halfway across the Atlantic when a sailor received word that his mother had died. It would have taken a, quite a change of course to bring the ship to some place where that man could be flown off by helicopter and then gotten back home and he decided that that would be unwise. So there we were in the middle of the Atlantic and his mother had died. And so on the day and hour of the funeral, we found a quiet space on the ship and we prayed together. I considered it was a holy moment a time when I felt that we had glimpses of God. Or standing outside a hospital room. The patient is dying, the family are gathered around, and I'm supposed to go in and say the right thing. The words of a hymn come to mind. Master, the tempest is raging, the billows are rising high. That's me at that moment. The tempest within me raging like a storm. And then comes the refrain, peace be still. And I enter the room, realizing that I'm not alone for those few seconds. There's a glimpse of God. Or I'm standing at the altar. The minister is saying to me and my bride, 57 years ago, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And I think, gee whiz, uh, this is something really beyond me at that moment, a glimpse of God. Or at the font, my grandchild in my arms, looking into those innocent, trusting eyes, a glimpse of God. So my friend, the God who at times seems so remote, so difficult to picture, Yet there can be a fleeting glimpse now and then. 
Remember Paul Harvey? Always the phrase in the midst of his discourse, now for the rest of the story. So I'm going to the rest of the story. Another baptism. This time it's far from here in both time and distance. A baptism in a river called the Jordan. The words, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. A memorable glimpse of God whom we don't always understand. We're not able to comprehend, but a God who is there, whose promise is the promise of a better day and a fuller understanding. The potter realized that the vessel needed reworking. <clears throat> Perhaps our vision of God needs reworking as may seem good to him. Or dare I say, perhaps our vision of the church may need reworking. The words again of Jeremiah, the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. Amen.